Empower Radio presents The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. The world's ablaze in illusion and desire. These are the words of Andrew Harvey, inspired by the great mystic and poet Kabir. For five years, Andrew gave his whole mind, heart, and body to breathing in and living in Kabir's words and the essence of his voice, speaking evolutionary truth and piercing love. Andrew says, when you enter into a Kabir poem, you enter the Kabir field. It is electric incisive, clean and clear, and I agree. I have been captivated by Andrew's new book, Turn Me to Gold. Here's the rest of that poem. The world's ablaze and in illusion and desire. The trap of Maya is terrifyingly strong. Only the being who has won the sword of discernment can hack himself free. Take the name of God, my friend, as a boat to cross this brutal ocean. Without it, you'll never reach the other shore. Attaining the name is rare and hard, but I have no need for any other power. From beginning to end and age to age, the name of God binds me directly to God. I invite you to take a few deep breaths. Bring your awareness into this moment. Open your heart and mind and settle in to your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest. After authoring more than 30 books, Andrew Harvey, Rumi scholar, mystic, and founder of Sacred Activism, is releasing what may be his consummate work, Turn Me to Gold, 108 Poems by Kabir. Born in India and deeply influenced by its mystic traditions, Andrew became enraptured not only by the exquisite spiritual illumination he discovered in Kabir, but the poet's grounding revelance to our troubled times today. So welcome back, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. And thank you for celebrating this book. It's really not my book. I just wanted to be the channel for these poems and translation to come through at this terrible, terrible and amazing time because I believe with all my heart that the most important mystical guide that we could have at this moment, as important as Rumi, is Kabir. Kabir was the greatest mystical poet of India. He was born into a poor Muslim weaver class. He lived as a poor Muslim weaver in Benares, the sacred city, and he was quite simply the most radical, the most revolutionary mystic that we've ever had. He swept away religion and dogma and caste and every kind of concept to say to humanity, you have a direct connection right now with the mystery. Claim it, live it, and let it turn you to gold. Let it transfigure your mind, let it transfigure your heart, let it transfigure your will, let it transfigure your soul, let it transfigure your body. So he's not only a mystic that's proclaiming an 
an absolute revolution, overturning all the power games of the religions and empowering every single human being in the core of themselves. He is also the precursor of the next evolutionary stage of humanity, the stage in which, through God's grace, we may birth the divine in every part of our being and in the cells. He's absolutely essential to us now, too, because he speaks simply. He speaks nakedly. He speaks directly. He speaks like the fierce, illumined peasant person he was. He doesn't cut corners. He doesn't flatter. He doesn't try to seduce or enchant. He is the truth speaking, as far as I have ever understood the truth. And one of the things that has driven me to spend all of this time, five years, on, in restaurants, on trains, on planes, it was the busiest time of my life, to try and find a language pure enough, clear enough, incisive enough to get Kabir out to the world. One of the things that has most inspired me about him is that I know that so many of you are hungry for the real vodka, the real truth without any kind of flour, flour, flour. So many of you are suffering deeply from depression. So many of you know that the world is in a terrible state and needs a radical, universal, spiritual revolution of love in action. Well, here's your guy. This is my guy. This has been the guy of the Sikhs and the Muslims and the Hindus of India. They've all adored him. And this is the voice, I think, that after and with Rumi's is the single most important universal mystical voice that humanity has ever had. So I took enormously seriously this work, and it nearly killed me, I have to say. And, but I'm absolutely thrilled, thrilled beyond belief by the book because it's been wonderfully produced. It's got fabulous photographs by a hotshot young Canadian photographer who's taken these searing, raw-inspired, utterly unnew-age photographs of the living power of India, of Benares, the place where Kabir lived. And I'm happy to say that all of the spiritual world, all the major teachers, Ken Wilbur and Marianne Williamson and Carolyn Mace and Coleman Barks, have all turned up to say we need Kabir now like oxygen to give us the inspiration, the hope, the direct connection, the radical understanding of our possibilities that will arm us with joy so as to go forward with joy and put love into action. Mm. So, wow, pause, take that in. There's so much in that brief opening here that I, I want to just dig into all of that because, Andrew, I couldn't agree more. This book is a masterpiece. I'm looking at it. Number one, it's a beautiful piece of art. Oh, mm. my gosh. Turn me to gold. And the the photography by Brett Hurd is incredible. Um, every page is just exquisite. It's, it's really incredible. And then the work of... You know Kabir. what I feel, my darling? I'm sorry to interrupt what? you. Go. We're all friends. So that we, it's, it, what have we tried so hard to do is to create for a modern age 
a holy manuscript, an illuminated manuscript. It's not an illuminated book. It's an illuminated holy book, but in a minimalist, modern, no holds barred, in your face, black and white intensity. That's exactly Kabir's intensity. And we worked so hard to get the printing as perfect as possible, to get the design as austere but magnificent as possible. And Brett Hurd's photographs, which are truly astonishing. I mean, he's a young man, but he's got the wisdom and searing truth of an old man. His photographs convey the grandeur and the passion and the disorder and the Quality intensity of India, as very few modern photographs do. So what you're getting with this book is not simply a book that reproduces 108 translations. You're getting a statement, a divine human statement in modern design about reality. Mm. It is a divine human statement. I'm just pausing into that. It, it definitely is a divine human statement. And evocative. Oh my gosh, it is so evocative. So you you talk about four movements. Let's just introduce those four so people really understand. I agree with you. This is a, a sacred manuscript. This is a. I had a hard time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we are friends, Andrew. I have to say this out loud. Okay, you sent me this beautiful book, and. You wrote a note in it, and it's gorgeous, and I literally sat with it, and I couldn't open it for a while. I felt like it was so sacred, and then to open and to start reading and to, I, I wanted to just, I was, I was just so riveted. I wanted to open every page. I wanted to highlight. I wanted to earmark. I couldn't do it. I do that with all my books. I could not do it. I couldn't. It is still in this beautiful, pristine shape. And it has a lot of um, sticky notes in it right now with all my favorite places because I couldn't turn a corner. I couldn't get out a highlighter. Thank you. <laughs> the trouble with Kabir is that you want to highlight everything because everything comes from this essential source of truth beyond concept and dogma. That's what's so astonishing. It's so true. It. And every page is that way. It really um, emerges. So, like, oh, I'm just going to scroll through here with this, the imagery is stunning. And it's not all pretty. It's oh, God, no. No, I didn't want all. pretty. It's... I'm sick of pretty. Who needs pretty? We've yeah. been deluged with that sentimental bullshit that the New Age has poured down our throat. Real life doesn't have to be pretty to be divine. Yeah, it is not pretty. And yet there's some four-line poems and there's some two-page poems. It, it's exquisite. Okay, so let's talk about those four movements. And then I would love to begin with that first movement because I think you are absolutely right. This is a prescription for our modern times. This is a roadmap and a treasure map. And the roadmap of how to navigate through this world starts with the treasure map of how to navigate our own interior landscape. Exactly. And so I, th I think that that piece is important. So tell us about those four movements. Well, let me just back up a bit. 
and just read to you perhaps two paragraphs from my introduction so that you can really get what we're saying very concrete, so that you can have, the, as far as I can give you, the full impact. This book, Turn Me to Gold, is the child of living with Kabir and trying to die into the splendor he sings so it could sing out again its prophecy of divine embodiment. Kabir is far more than a poet. He is a universal initiatory field, as expansive as Rumi and as embodied, radical and ferocious as Jesus. He is the voice of the evolutionary truth and its piercing love, and we have never needed to hear him more or been more ready to hear him. Kabir didn't write his poems down. He was illiterate. He sang them, possessed by a state of mystical exaltation and truth. Hmm. So Turn Me to Gold is arranged as a mystical symphony in four movements. He sang his poems in the noisy and filthy alleys of 15th century Benares. He knew God as the supreme musician whose sound always rang in his ears. And only a rich musical form I knew could ever begin to do justice to the different dancing facets of Kabir's genius and their endless interplay. I just wanted to say that because this book, I pray and hope, will be read musically. And that means that when you come to this book, I invite you tenderly to read the book in the order first mm. that I have spent five years discovering and uncovering from the depth of the marriage between me and his soul. What this book is really at its deepest level is an absolutely comprehensive, as far as I understand it, inspired by Kabir, map of the entire mystical journey to mm -hmm. radical enlightenment. And that means embodied enlightenment. Yes. And yes. if you read it like that, each poem a different note in a growing symphony, then by the end of the book, all the poems will be mysteriously alive in you. And the enlightened being that lives in you, that is awake right now, although you may or may not be awake to him or her, that enlightened being will be fully singing in your heart, mind, soul, and cells. That was my deep prayer behind this book. That's why mm -hmm. it took so long to do. That's why the order is so important. And that's why I arranged it as a four-part mystical symphony. So how, I just want to interrupt you for a minute, Andrew. In the, I know we have listeners out there who will deeply appreciate this work. How did you come to this collection if he was illiterate didn't write it down came through the song how, what was this process like for you i know you explored many different languages and interpretations but what was that like for you well thank you for asking that question kabir was surrounded by his middle life by a great many people 
who recognized in him something absolutely different from the usual silk-swathed gurus of their time. They recognized in him an absolutely simple man of immense integrity and real enlightenment beyond religion. And he didn't call them disciples. They were heart friends. And when he went into ecstasy and sang, they took his songs down in vernacular Hindi and the Hindi of his time, the voice of the people. This is very important because Rumi wrote in this very grand, rich, holy Persian, which is an extraordinary language, but accessible really mostly to aristocrats or scholars or the learned of the Muslim imams. Kabir wrote in the language of the people, of the street vendors and the prostitutes and the sugar sellers, and he wrote for ordinary people. That's why he writes so much more simply and nakedly and directly than Rumi. What happened then was that, this is such a fascinating story actually, because what happened is that we now think, scholars now think, that about 500 of the poems that have survived with the name of Kabir, and there are about at least six or 7,000 of them, are actually written by Kabir, because immediately these poems started to circulate. Other poets got wildly excited by Kabir's vision and wrote inspired by it and wrote their poems under the name Kabir as a kind of homage to the source of their inspiration. But of course, this creates fantastic difficulties in sorting out what those 500 original ones are, but amazing work has been done, and I think we have a very clear picture now, as clear as we can, of what those 500 were. What was amazing then is that, although Kabir was so strong and and even violently contemptuous of the power games of religion, all that most evolved in all of the Indian religions became intoxicated by his work because they recognized it as the voice of truth speaking. So when the Sikhs got going in the 16th century, and the 17th century, two centuries after Kabir, when the Sikh religion was founded, the founder of the Sikh religion, the original guru of Sikhism, put 300 of Kabir's poems into the Sikh scriptures, so they form an integral part of the Sikh scriptures. Singers inspired by Kabir, Hindu singers, went out into the streets of India and sang these songs so that they became sung by ordinary people, by boatmen as they rode down the Ganges, by washerwomen as they bashed their clothes against the rocks. So they entered into the bloodstream of Hinduism Mm. and great... Sufi mystics who knew that Kabir had been deeply influenced by Sufism. In fact, if you go to his burial place, there's one Muslim shrine which claims to be his burial place, and there's another Hindu shrine which claims to be his burial place. The Sufi mystics also realized that Kabir was an immense champion of divine love and of the beloved and incorporated his poems into their ways of speaking and singing. So he's had the most extraordinary influence of any mystical poet, but apart from Rumi and with Rumi. So what I did was to, first of all, consult the major scholars on the planet as to what they believed would be the original poems. Then, with my smattering of Hindi, I read the original poems with help from scholars and consulted scholars on their meaning, which is sometimes difficult, 
and with translations in Italian and German and French languages that I speak, and went into a deep inner communion with Kabir. And it was out of that complex but fascinating and rich and powerful and mad process, which is very intense but very beautiful mm-hmm. for me, that these translations, which are as accurate as I can make them, came. That's how the process worked. And something happened to me in the in the course of that process, which I can't really describe, but I felt myself being burnt and atomized and crystallized and exalted and ennobled by him. I felt that he was melting into me and I was melting into him so that at their best, I feel, these translations are not Andrew Harvey's translations. These are Kabir's translations through me of him. And that yeah. was my deepest dream. And I feel sometimes through grace and not any of my own ability, that has been realized. So I'm in awe, really. It really is. Um, you know, a lot of times I, I think my daughter's an actress and and they talk about, you know, what happens when we really do connect mm. with the essence and the truth and that purity of, of voice that's coming through. And, and you have captured that. It's, it's exquisite. Thank you. And it's something else too, you know, which I'm sure many people listening know is that when you truly fall deeply, wildly in love with a dead mystic, a so-called dead mystic, an extraordinary relationship starts to form within the depths of your unconscious and conscious. And this has been known throughout mystical history because, of course, those who have achieved that level of awakening are not dead. They're alive as rays of the eternal sun. And they will come to you in dreams and they will appear to you. They'll play games with you, little synchronicities to reveal that they're inside you and outside you guiding you. All the mystical traditions know about these sacred relationships. And this is the one that I've had now twice in my life through enormous grace, once with Rumi and now with Kabir. And it's something that I really hope that readers of this book will have for themselves. But I can't imagine a more thrilling consummation of all the work that I've done and, more importantly, all the incredible, glorious work that Kabir poured out, and that readers of this book should find at the end of their immersion in the book that they and Kabir have become buddies of the soul, and that they've found their own inner Kabir. It's a very amazing moment when you realize that Kabir isn't somebody only who lived in the 15th century, but Kabir is the crystallized voice of the truth itself, and that that truth lives in you. Mm. as your essential, naked, honest conscience, and as your passion for justice, and as your hatred of Kant and stupidity and vulgarity and insane injustice, it makes you a much braver, wilder, calmer, grander, nobler person, despite yourself in my case. So it's Mm -hmm. been the most extraordinary experience, and that's why I arranged the book as the symphony, because music... If I'm a great lover of music, classical music, or music, and what music has is the extraordinary power to penetrate your whole being. So I arranged this book as a four-part symphony so that 
it wouldn't only be the words or the poems that would work on one. It would be the music of the words and it would be yeah. the silence between the poems and it would be the relationship between each of the messages of each of the poems, which you'll see if you read the book like that will give you really amazing insights which you may never have had before. Yeah. I still have all kinds of insights from reading this book, which amazes me. I thought I knew every <laughs> word of this, but really, I'm still in need of being tabularized, if you like. And I pick it up and I think, my God, did I translate this? And mm. Wow, this is amazing stuff. And look at the juxtaposition of this and this. It really arouses all sorts of awakened knowledge that, are, that is longing to be awakened in you. Yeah. The Awakened, oh wow, uh, so we need to take a break, and the, this is a good time to do that. The um, the thing that, as I'm listening to you and holding this book, I've been holding it the entire time, and I can't wait to hear you um, read me a few of the poems, but when I think about this book and really the invitation of divine embodiment. This is so much more than inviting the reader to be a modern day mystic. This oh my really God, yes. is, yeah, I, I could tell your response is going to be big. It's like, this is an invitation of divine embodiment and the wisdom, the benevolence that comes through. I mean, it's just, it's really exquisite. So I'm going to hold off on your response, Andrew. If you remember right where we were, we're going to take a quick oh, break. Oh, I will. <laughs> <laughs> we are here with Andrew Harvey and this book. We're going to tell you what the, where the title comes from, too, after the break. Turn Me to Gold. We'll be right back. Meditation Channel, non-stop meditation music 24 hours a day in the new Empower Radio app. Music to empower your meditation, help you relax, sleep, or provide a calm background while you work. The Empower Meditation Channel is interruption-free. Listen now with the Empower Radio app, free in the App Store, or listen online at empower.fm. Soothe your soul, calm your mind. The Empower Meditation Channel. This is you over 30 years ago. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And this is your mom when you drive her back from therapy. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Roles change without us noticing. And in your new role, we help you help. AARP gives you the information to help care for your mom so that you can have patience with her, just like she did with you. Visit aarp.org caregiving or call 1-877-333-5885 to get practical health and wellness tips to provide even better care for your loved one. Are we there yet? Remember, visit aarp.org caregiving. AARP, we help you help. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. You wanted to see me? Yes, please. Have a seat. 
So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team. But I don't think you can be an intern here anymore. <sighs> we want to hire you. You're, you're serious? Absolutely. Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. I won't let you down. I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Women now make up 37% of the workforce, changing their role forever. Harvard Medical School has now opened its doors to new female applicants. The first woman is now in space. The majority of last year's doctorate degrees were earned by women. We've come so far, but our news is changing for the worse. More women die from heart disease and stroke than men, even though it can be prevented. Make a change at GoRedForWomen.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women. Smile. You found Empower Radio. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and even listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com, where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I'm here with... My friend and mentor, Andrew Harvey, and holding this exquisite sacred masterpiece called Turn Me to Gold, 108 Poems of Kabir. And Andrew, right before the break, I was saying, um, I, I really get it. I really, really, really feel this. Um, I feel the field that you speak of when you read a poem. And I had mentioned that this is so much more than just um, the new age invitation to be a modern day mystic. This is really sit down, open yourself, and be transformed. So, well, I, I know think you, it's even yeah. more than that. I think there's a real message in Kabir, which I believe is essential for us to hear right now. And the message that's coming through Kabir is. It's not only about the transformation of consciousness, the mystical yeah. path. It's about the transformation of the whole being. It's yes. about the transformation of your mind, of your heart, of your soul, but also, and this is crucial, of your body. And that's yes. why it's called Turn Me to Gold, because the gold that he's talking about is the alchemical gold that a person becomes mystically and actually when he or she has let the light in totally into the depths of the mind into the depths of the heart and into the depths of the body and why this is so important and i cannot tell you how i feel this is so important is because this crisis that we are in this vast evolutionary crisis that we are in is the crucifixion of the false self, including false mysticism and the false religions, 
so that the resurrection of the divine human can take place, so that the birth of a new humanity, an embodied divine humanity, in direct connection with the absolute, but absolutely in love with the mother can start working together in love in action to transfigure the planet. So for me, Kabir is the greatest voice of the process that is now secretly underlying absolutely everything that is happening. The New Age for me has been a disaster because its idea of mysticism is soppy and narcissistic. Kabir is the exact antidote that all spiritual seekers need at this moment because he is not soppy, he is not narcissistic, he knows you have to die into life, and he knows that if you do, you won't just simply be given enlightened awareness and enlightened compassion, you will be changed completely. You will be born as a new person, as a living, divine human being, humbly and ecstatically one with the one in every part of you. There's a huge secret in this, and nobody has ever spoken this secret as vibrantly as Kabir. And since we're living in a crisis that is potentially destined through a massive destruction to birth the resurrected divine human, we should listen with every cell of our being to the one who knows the path. Yeah, let's pause into that because what a beautiful invitation this is. What a beautiful, it really is medicine when you talk about birthing this resurrected divine human. This this is a path of transfiguration for the planet, and it begins with each of us. Yes, and yeah. it begins with each of you and us where we are right now, because we have this direct connection that is the cornerstone of Kabi saying, don't believe these gurus and these priests and these prophets who tell you that you have to obey them and do this to get any glimpse of God. You are God's child. You are made of God. You're in direct connection right now. Just do simple practices, and his practice is the saying of the name of God. Be humble, and you'll be guided into an immense new consciousness in terms of your own nature, in terms of your own personality. This is a revolution because this ends the power games of the patriarchy and really gives each person the way through. Can I read the poem that really expresses this vision of what it's like to live in the heart, mind, soul, and body transfigured? This is the most gorgeous poem. I'd love to share it with you. Can I do so? Please do. Yeah, please do. And this is for all of you who is listening. And this is, oh, this is Kabir speaking to the whole of humanity at this terrible, amazing moment we find ourselves in. The beloved is in me. And the beloved is in you, as life is hidden in every seed. So rubble your pride, my friend, and look for him within you. When I sit in the heart of his world, a million suns blaze with light, A burning blue sea spreads across the sky. Life's turmoil falls quiet. All the 
tears of suffering wash away. Listen to the unstruck bells and drums. Love is here. Plunge into its rapture. Rains pour down without water. Rivers are streams of light. How could I ever express how blessed I feel to revel in such vast ecstasy in my own body? This is the music of soul and soul meeting, of the forgetting of all grief. This is the music that transcends all coming and going. Mm. It's such an amazing poem because it describes enlightenment. It describes the moment when you see and know that the entire creation is created out of blazing white light and that everything is a crystallization of that white light. And it describes the feeling, not only in your mind and heart, but in your body. It describes how you feel when you know that you are a tiny hologram of the entire cosmos and the vast, endless light that is embodied in every aspect of that cosmos. And although that might sound very exalted to everybody listening, I swear to you on Kabir's name that that is your chosen destiny. That's where the whole human adventure is going. And many people, the greatest evolutionary mystics, in fact, have known this. And this is the time of the birth, my friends. This is the time of the birth. The Kogis have given us seven years to change everything that we're doing or die out. The United Nations has announced in December that if we don't change radically our way of life, the kind of chaos we're creating in the climate will become irremediable in 12 years. So we have got to go for what the truth is, and that is to allow ourselves to be transformed so completely that we can become humble, living, divine human beings turned to gold, doing the golden work of justice and compassion in the heart of the burning world and so being midwives of the new humanity. Come what may, we've got to go for it. And why I love Kabir so much is that he is absolutely certain of this because he's living it. And he's very no-nonsense. He's not going to coddle you or flatter you. He's going to bitch-slap you, sometimes hit you over the head with a saucepan, but not in rage, because he knows that if you dilly-dally at this moment, at this moment, you'll miss the greatest opportunity of all of your incarnations, and you'll also not be able to help the world in yeah. the way that you're meant to help the world, by embodying the divine in yourselves and then acting with humble, wild, divine power in your radical actions devoted to justice and compassion. You know, Andrew, what occurred to me listening to you just now is a year ago, we were talking about reconnecting with the earth and with oh, all yes. of life. You know, we were, we were really, you and Carolyn had just released a book. We were really talking about reconnection and what, moves me today is almost like this completion of a whole 
yes. that your voice through this book, Turn Me to Gold, moves us into all of our sacred activism more as this natural expression of this divine embodiment. It's like the reconnecting exactly. with source, reconnecting and really midwiving ourselves into that divine human state. Then the transfiguration happens in us, through us, as us, with us for all of that work on the planet. Well, exactly. Thank you so much for saying that because it makes us like Kabir, rebels of divine love in action. Yeah. Kabir really told truth to power on every level in his world. He told the rich that they were mean. He told the gurus that they were fakes. He told the religious people that they were playing power games. And he said to ordinary people, don't believe any of this. Empower yourself and change not only your lives, but the conditions that keep you enslaved, that keep the systems of cold evil and injustice going. This is the same message in a different form as Jesus' radical message. And we cannot afford to ignore it at this moment because yeah. transformation isn't personal only. It's to make you strong and wild and humble and guided and inspired enough to turn up when the world is burning to death with joy and compassion and risk gambling away your life to make a real radical difference before it's too late. And prophets like Kabir are really signs of the prophetic that can be born in every single being if every single being is prepared to get on their knees and do the inner work and really have before them an image of comprehensive enlightenment. Not just enlightenment of waking up to the light, but the enlightenment that's born from what you could call endarkenment, the embodiment process that grounds the light in the mind, the heart, and the body. So if you have a wrong goal, just a patriarchal goal of floating off into the light, which has been the terrible mistake that many mystical traditions and nearly all the New Age has made, you won't be able to birth the divine in you. You just have a few wonderful experiences and think that that's being awake. What Kabir shows us is that being truly the child of God means living out both what you could call the father transcendent truth and the mother embodied truth in a mystery of the union of opposites. The beginning of the last movement starts with these astounding five lines that are the greatest lines ever written about this mysterious birth that we've ever had. And it just says very simply, he says to us all, speaking out of the experience with wonder and ecstasy and gratitude, he says, my father is the absolute Godhead, my mother, the embodied Godhead. And I am their divine child, dancing for them both on their burning dance floor. We are meant to dance out our lives as the child of the light and of the embodied Godhead, the cosmos that is the creation. Mm. And we're meant to do our sacred activism not out of duty or guilt or shame, but as a dance of celebration of this amazing and awe-inspiring truth of our nature, that we are simultaneously the child of the light 
and the child of the creation and so massively empowered in ways that we cannot even begin to imagine until we start to experience them. Those five lines were quite beautiful. And the, the truth itself. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. You know, I know it's wild. It, what occurs to me is the movement from a lot of the new age is feels like it's still in the head. And then, you know, exactly. Rumi and others have brought us into the heart. But you're exactly right. Kabir, it, it vibrates down to our toes and sets our feet on fire. You know, we're, we're embodied. Exactly. I would have wondered why it's saying it. That's exactly it. So many of the people who call themselves mystics have had the first revelations, which are the revelations of the illumined mind, they're very often cut off from the revelations of the heart. And Rumi is the supreme master and will always be the master of opening the heart. But the next stage is the stage of bringing both the illuminations of the mind and the revelations of the heart into the depths of your lived divine human body and life. And it's only then that you become radically authentic. And it's then, of course, that you become deeply yourself, which makes you able to discern the garbage around, to, to tell real gold from false gold, to choose real truth rather than the shiny imitations of truth. And that's why we need caviar more than oxygen, because this is a time we won't have another time to get this right. We have to get right as far as we can as human beings, what the goal of this evolutionary transformation that we're going through is, and Kabir and other great mystics are telling us it's the birth of a divine humanity, and then get right about the nature of the path, which is why this is organized in four stages. The four parts of this mystical symphony are the four different stages that lead to this radical embodiment, and then get clear about what we will be when we are fully transfigured and embodied, which will be nothing less than the kind of beings that Jesus and Kabir both were, which were fearless tellers of truth to power and fearless, humble activists in sacred inspiration for justice and compassion. One of the things that really I adore about Kabir, and you're talking about him helping us to get back into connection with the creation, is that Kabir not only talks about the creation as lit up with the divine light, he is the most passionate poet of animal rights that we've yeah. ever had. Kabir just doesn't, doesn't just say, oh God, how beautiful animals are, they express divine beauty, etc., etc. That's sort of vaguely new age. He says, why are you killing animals? Why are you eating animals? How dare you? Don't you realize they're just as much God as you are? Yeah. That is huge. It's a yeah. huge leap. What are some of the others? I mean, it just um, just presencing this, the animal rights piece, and and this voice is so comprehensive and simple. It's like exactly, yeah. And so I, it feels like I've been hearing the message the last three months since October of it's time to speak truth with clarity and yes. that not all voices are truth and not all not you know we were we've been nice we've been trying to listen to everyone we've been inclusive what does this voice bring that says 
okay, let's stop it now and get and get this right. What would you What would you say? It's what does Kabir tell truth. us? Are you kidding? But Voice of Truth has two hands, if you like. In one hand, there is a rose, which is the rose of the ecstasy that comes as you open to the divine. And in the other hand, there is a sword, and that's the sword of discernment. Mm. And those who want truth will, of course, want to be elated with joy and want to share that joy, but they're also summoned to get real about what's really going on, which is that the world has been taken over by the 1% who have a massive plan to enslave the rest of humanity, it's quite obvious, and that we are killing the environment and ourselves in an orgy of greed, and that the animals are dying out and that the seas are polluted, and that if we continue in this way, we will commit suicide and matricide very much sooner, and the UN and the scientists confirmed this, than anything even the wildest doomsayers have predicted. So there's no point at this moment in being sweet and inclusive of voices of delusion, because if you include and celebrate in any way voices of delusion, voices that are cozy, voices that are not urgent, voices that don't help people wake up, voices that don't stress not only awakening, but awakening-inspired action, you are actually helping the death of the planet. You're just shoving it further into the furnace. You're not actually being a holy person. You're being a fake. You're being a colluder with the dark. Mm. And it's time that everybody wakes up. And Kabir, I'm talking like Kabir because this is what happened to me reading Kabir, is that he just, I can only put it like this, he just bitch slapped me awake and realized this is the time of the birth. This is the time where you're going to have to speak the truth fearlessly. And the only way you can do that is to ground yourself as far as possible in the divine self and then just stand up and say it. And if people hate you, that's fine. If people call you mad, that's fine. They called me mad, said Kabir. They called me crazy. You'll see that throughout the poems. But he knows that he's speaking with the voice of the truth. And that voice of truth is even more important to us now than the voice of love, because Love without truth can become dangerous, and truth without love, of course, can become savage. And Kabir is that amazing marriage of love and truth that is exactly what we need. But the emphasis in his work, and this is why he's so important to our world of lies, ruled by the psychopath of lies that is now devastating this country, that's why his voice of truth is so important because it will wake you up if you let it and if you dare to what you need to be and do right now in this moment, 2019. Mm. Thank you for that, Andrew. I'm 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 sorry to get so wild, but I can't help it because he's so thrilling when you get this. It's not only sort of It's not only shocking, it's deeply empowering, because once you get over reeling from how fierce Kabir is, you realize, oh my God, he's trying to release me from my fantasies and illusions, not to shatter me, but to help me die into life so that the whole of life can sing in me and give me its power and its grace and its ecstasy and its (laughs) strength to go forward. Yeah, now that's, that's, okay, 
I'm like, <laughs> I'm looking through pages. I'm feeling this again. And I'm thinking about our readers and our listeners out there yes. that need to read this. And what you just said is, I think, the promise of this book is that um, we have a lot of conscious evolutionaries that tune in. We have a lot of sacred activists that tune in. I know. Why should they read this book? They're going to read this book and they're going to find, they're going to die to themselves, of course, to a whole new new level, but they're going to find their voice and expression and work on the planet that it becomes the voice and the work of the whole. It's not theirs anymore. Oh, yes. It's the Bible it, of sacred activism in a way, because it yes. transcends all religion and speaks with a human voice of the truth of standing up to power from the depths of the self. Yes. Yes, exactly. So, Turn Me to Gold, where does the name come from? Do you want to read that? Absolutely. Let there be your love, Lord burning softly in every cell of my dying and transfigured body. By your wild and merciful grace, Lord of truth, turn me to gold so I can love in perfect fullness you who loves in me. Beautiful. It's an astonishing mm. poem. It's very deep. It's very beautiful, but it's also very accurate. Because what he's saying is that divine love has the power, not only to awaken your mind and heart, but to burn softly in every cell, to irrigate the depths of your body and wake up the secret divinity of every cell. And he's saying, by your wild and merciful grace, by this incredible miracle that transfiguration is, and this is known in the depths of the mystical systems of Christianity and Hinduism. By your wild and merciful grace, turn me to gold. Turn all of me into you, so I become golden. So I can love in perfect fullness. And the fullness is the fullness of the divine human of the Christ, if you like, or of the cabirized, someone who is completely real in the real heart, mind, soul, and body. So I can love in perfect fullness you who loves in me. So at the end of the poem, you don't know who's speaking. Is it God? Is it Kabir? Is it the divine? Is it the human side of Kabir? And then, of course, you understand, ah, it's both together. Mm. Beautiful. Andrew Harvey... I love you. Thank you so much for bringing this work into the world. I look forward to talking about it again. We are going to do another conversation with Kabir in just a few short weeks. I can't wait. And thank you for the wonderful work you do. And please, everyone out there, not because I wrote it, but because this book will really change your vision of what's possible for you. Please get this book from Unity Press and take it into your hearts as a Bible for the sacred activism that could still transform our world. 
It's beautiful. And I have one of my favorite short pieces that I'm going to leave our listeners with. And very clear, devotion to the one is hard, unsparing, a path of blazing fire. Plunge into the flames, you'll pass through safely. Waver and wait, you'll be scorched. You've been listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together we're creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.